Thank you so much for that um, very warm and very long uh, introduction of myself. Um, so grateful to know all the things that I have done over the years and, um, and hopefully uh, can live up to that introduction. Um, but even more so, thank you, Dan, for um, creating space. Um, in this congregation and at this moment for us to learn more uh, about how to engage young people, uh, for us to learn more about how to disciple young people, um, for us to learn more about what God wants to do through you in this community so that young people might find Jesus. I think it's really, really important. Uh, obviously, I've spent a lot of time in my life doing such a thing, uh, and so I'm grateful that you've created some space here for us to do that, not only this week, uh, but next week when uh, my colleagues, Dr. Steve Argue, comes and shares a little bit more with you um, about continuing to, to, to lean into the process of discipling young people and walking with families uh, in this moment uh, in time. Uh, I'm super grateful to be here. I'm super grateful that you have created this space, um, but it is not about me. Um, and it is about Jesus. And so as we uh, lean into the scripture, um, I've chosen a, a little bit longer scripture for you this morning. And I, I, think, um, I think we just need to hear the words of Jesus. I want to center us in the words uh, of Jesus. And so um, as, it, as is, um, I'm going to read for us um, the passage out of Mark uh, chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it there. Um, if not, you can listen Listen to the sultry sounds of my voice um, as, as I read um, what, what, what Christ has for us uh, this morning. Mark 10, starting at verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Would you pray with me? 
Spirit of the living God, you have given us this moment to come and hear you. That you would be in our hearts enlivening us because of the words spoken by Jesus. So God, in your mercy and grace, these words on this page, would you cause them to become alive? Alive in our hearts and our minds and our life like never before. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, as was told to you, I am from California. Uh, And yes, we have more waves than we have sunshine at this particular moment. Um, And I am a surfer, and so yes, I did go out in some of those waves, and it was really fun. Um, I grew up in Huntington Beach, um, uh, kind of bi-coastally, specifically with my, my folks coming from Virginia. They, we, they were committed to making sure that we were connected to our family, and so every summer I spent summers in Virginia. My sister and I, uh, growing up there as well as in Huntington Beach, was a, was a great time. Um, I, I ended up getting married 25 years ago. Uh, will be 25 years in, in August to my wife, Shannon. Uh, my wife is a television producer. She's continuing to do that uh, even kind of as we speak um, through a bunch of different shows. My daughter, like, like, uh, like Dan said, uh, is in college at University of Durham in her last year. Um, and man, I, that time goes by fast. I wish somebody had told me more clearly like how fast that time uh, is going to go by. Um, I don't know that I believed them. I just wish somebody would have told me more clearly. When I was a kid, I knew exactly what I wanted. When I was a kid, I knew exactly where I was going to go, how, what, what I was going to do with my life. By the time that I was in eighth grade, I knew exactly how it was going to shake out, and this is what it was going to be. I was going to go into uh, the military, and I was going to become a pilot. Um, and in becoming a pilot, I was going to fly uh, jets, uh, F-16s to be specific, in the Air Force because that's where my cousin was. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be a great life for me. As a matter of fact, I didn't have just the fact that I wanted to be a pilot. I knew that I wanted to fly out of Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany because that was near um, my favorite car's auto, auto factory, the Porsche. And I could drive the Autobahn in Germany at Ramstein Air Force Base flying F-16s in my life. That was going to be my life. I knew, I knew it. I can say it to you. I would have been able to say it without notes. And in that moment, I was, I was, I was always thinking, like, how do I get to this place? How do I, how do I follow up and, 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 and make sure that I'm there? What I also know about myself, and I probably can only say that retrospectively, is that I was significantly insecure ashamed of my family, trying to fit in the best I could in a, in a culture that I didn't understand, like I said, kind of living by coastly. And I didn't have the grades to get into the military. I, I graduated high school with a 2.1 GPA. And it was a 196 if you took away all the A's that I got for PE. Went to Hampton University, got a degree in aviation because I was on that track and at my sophomore year, God spun me around 
brought me to himself and set me on a different trajectory. A few years ago, my family and I, we decided to do a puzzle. And I, and I, okay, puzzles, you know, people do puzzles, whatever. Like, I, I don't think that as, it, like, as older folks, like, we have done the puzzle. Like, you know, you do the puzzles with your kids, the little tiny ones that come. And we hadn't done a puzzle in forever. We dumped a puzzle out uh, during uh, COVID onto, onto the kitchen table and said, we're going to do this puzzle. And one of the things that I can tell you about a puzzle, because I'm not a puzzler, is that the best way for those that especially aren't puzzlers to do puzzles is to do what? Make sure you do the outside first. You got to do the frame first because those are the easiest ones and you kind of work in from the center and you kind of figure out where the colors go and you kind of set it up really well. This 2,000 piece puzzle, we were, we're high achievers and I'm oh, sorry. This 2,000 piece puzzle was one of those things that, man, I, it took us a couple weeks to do, you know, an hour here, an hour there. Oh, we got to go here, got to go there. It was during Christmas, so we had to, you know, put it away multiple times. But as you fill in those sections, you get to see more of the picture. Puzzles require patience. They require vision. They require uh, some grit because they're not always that easy. And really, they're better if you're doing them with people. Which is something the rich young ruler lacked. Patience. Vision. Some grit and asking some other people to, to help. You see, the, the rich young ruler is the one who, if we compare that, that picture that we have from Jesus to a puzzle, the rich young ruler had actually done everything right. He had worked on all the outside. He had, he had actually done all the commandments correctly. He had kept them from a boy. We know later that he had much wealth, and so we knew that he was successful We know that, that he was there because he had been paying attention to what was going on in the world and he, he calls out to Jesus, good teacher. So he understands all the things that are happening, but yet when challenged to do the things that the other disciples were challenged, in the same way, the rich young ruler goes away sad. Now, here's one thing that I love about the rich young ruler. Is, is we don't know what happens to him afterwards. He goes away sad. Jesus and the disciples continue on. But you don't know what goes on in his heart and his soul after that. Does he go away sad and never to return? Does he go away sad because he realized, oh my gosh, it's going to take a long time to follow Jesus? In the same way that Nicodemus shows up later in, in Jesus' life, right? After this interaction that happens with him late at night. We don't know if the rich young ruler shows up later in Jesus. And my hope is that he shows up later. But there's no guarantee that that's 
the case. But what Jesus was asking the rich young ruler to consider was the inside, not the frame. Was the inside, was the inside ready to give over your life to Jesus? I think the best part about this whole entire story is this line. Jesus looked at him and loved him, knowing he was about to say something that was going to be really hard. How many of that is true for you if you've gotten kids? You know when you're about to say something to, to your kid who's, who's been doing the thing that you told them not to do 15 times before they just did it, right? You know that you're about to say something really hard to, to your kid. And, and, and in that, you look at them and you love them right before you say the really hard thing to them. This isn't hard to access. We know these things. And I just want to say that, that even if you don't have kids, these are moments that you get to interact with people. You have to say hard things with people. This isn't just about kids. This is about our lives together. You know that if, 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 you, if you have a spouse, you, you, you look at them, you say, I have a hard, hard conversation. Maybe I don't want to have this hard conversation, but I, lo I love you, but I'm about to say this hard thing. It's noted here that Jesus loved him, which I think is important. Mark takes the time to say, which Mark is not super verbose. He takes the time to remind us that Jesus loves him. And he loves them while he tells them that you have dealt with a rules-based faith, and you've been compliant to all the norms. Is that how we disciple kids? Is, is that how we've discipled kids over time? I, 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 would, I would hope not, but I also recognize after 30 years of ministry, there are moments where we've asked kids to just be discipled because they follow the rules. That's the, that's the indication that they're actually making it in this world. They followed the rules or, or, or they've actually come along and, and said, you know, they're, they're nice kids. They're great kids. They're, they've done really well for themselves. They've got into college. They're in college in England, <laughs> But I think it's really, really a disservice to Jesus and the gospel if we raise kids who are nice, successful virgins. Because if that's the mark of discipleship, then I think we've missed something and Jesus is saying that here to the rich young ruler. See, sell everything you have and come and follow me. Three things Jesus challenges us on. These are the points where you're going to have to take notes. Jesus challenges our identity. Jesus challenges our identity, or at least what we, we've, we've called our identity, the things that we, we hold on to and say, this is who we are. For many kids, for us as followers of Jesus, 
It can be what others expect of us. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad, so I've got to do dad things. I'm a, I'm a mom. I've got to do mom things. I'm a grandpa. I need to do grandpa things or Nona or Papa or whatever you call yourself. We have a pressure to live up to that, and especially kids nowadays have a pressure to live up the expectations that we set for them. My daughter and I talk about it often. Sometimes she says, I don't think I'm blank enough. Not smart enough, not skinny enough, not... What's the blank for you? What, what's the blank for you? What's the blank that, that when, when Jesus challenges you, you're like, I'm not that. Yet Jesus is loving you anyway to say, come, follow me. <laughs> you, you see, when you follow Jesus, when we really follow Jesus, when we give our lives over to Jesus, we're able to say, I am enough because what Jesus says about me is the most important thing about me. I'll, I'll point to John. John, when he's sitting with Jesus at the at the Last Supper, right? Literally sitting with Jesus, literally laying on Jesus. For the rest of John, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. There's a different understanding about who he is and how he's supposed to operate in this world. His identity changes and we know about John later. He continues to walk out this loving understanding of the gospel in the world. And so identity is so important, not only for us as followers of Jesus, but for kids who are trying to follow Jesus because they don't know who they are. How do we continue to tell them that Jesus loves you, not in a pedantic, Christian-y, song-y way, but one that is important and impactful and one that draws them to follow the person of Jesus. They're more than their label. They're more than their mental health. They're more than their stereotype. They're more than their diagnosis. They're more than their, their trauma or their race or their socioeconomic status. They're more than that. And Jesus loves them no matter where they are, no matter where you are. Two, Jesus challenges the rich young ruler's belonging. He challenges our belonging. He challenges the where we fit in. I, I, I fit when I feel safe. Many of you are here in this church because you feel safe. 
This place has comforted you, walked with you, allowed you to be who you are, where you are, whether that's joyful or sad and ministered to you. You feel safe in a place and I fit in this place. This community has been that place. And the invitation for the rich young ruler was to come be a part of this community that's doing something different, that's changing the world. And in the midst of saying, do come do that, the rich young ruler said, but can't I do that from where I'm at? Can't I just come on Sundays and then, and then go back home? Can I just follow you, Jesus, you know, on, 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 a, on a part-time basis? We know the answer, right? Like, I don't have to actually say it. You can't follow Jesus on a part-time basis. I appreciate y'all showing up today. But I really want you to follow Jesus tomorrow. And Tuesday. And hump day. And especially Thursday when you're struggling and you're thinking, oh, can I get to the end of work? What are these kids going to do with me? How am I going to set up for my weekend? I haven't even gotten my Christmas lights down and it's snowing. Bartimaeus. Who's at the end of this particular chapter? Bartimaeus gets invited by Jesus after Bartimaeus says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. This blind man who's, who's wanting and hearing Jesus come along the way saying, have mercy on me. Jesus stops, says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want you to help me see. And in that statement of being seen, Bartimaeus asks to be a part of the community. His blindness kept him out of the community. When he gets to see, he steps back into the community. But you know what he does right after that? Instead of heading back into Jericho where he has family, he leaves and follows Jesus. There's a difference between the rich young ruler and Bartimaeus here. Rich young ruler is, is saying, hey, you know what? Good teacher. And Bartimaeus is saying, son of David. And I think there's a different understanding of who this person of Jesus is. And when we belong in a place, when Jesus calls us, we belong, we fit because of who he's made us to be. Three, Jesus challenges our purpose. I told you a quick story about my life. Aviation was the first 20-some-odd years of my life. And at some level, still sits in the background. I still have my pilot's license. I still sometimes get out and fly. But God gave me a purpose. And I, and I have to say, I, I, I didn't not become a pilot so that I could create nice kids. I became a pilot because the purpose of following Jesus was so much greater, so much more important, so much more significant than anything I could ever done 
by flying a plane. My dad said to me, he goes, I'd rather you be a pastor than a glorified bus driver. What? Come on. Kids as well need a purpose. They need to see us have a purpose in Jesus. They need to see us living out our relationship with Jesus, not on Sunday, but every other day. They need to see that. They need to see the good and the bad of that, the the best and the hard of that. They need to see all of it because all of it is real and honest and true. And when Jesus meets us, Jesus meets us at every single point along the way. Not just when it's good. And so as we continue to lean in to, 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 to our own purpose, our own service, we know that we can make a difference in this world and, the, and that Jesus makes a difference in this world when we serve. Not when we just follow the script of what other people say that we should be doing, but when we serve in the way that Jesus calls us to serve and it's going to be different than you or I ever thought. It's different. And these three things, this identity, belonging, and purpose for Fuller Youth Institute is the baseline for how we see people growing up in Christ. If we're able to help students, adolescents, kids see their identity in Christ, understand their belonging in the larger church and understand their purpose in Jesus. We believe we've given them a foundation to follow Jesus, not just while they're in our houses, but beyond. Giving them a lifelong faith that they can walk in. And if we're true about this, the identity, belonging, and purpose, then it's true for you no matter how old you are. That if you're eight or if you're 88, Jesus has an identity he still wants to give you, a purpose and a belonging in a new place. He wants to continue to grow you and continue to disciple you so that you might be more about who he is in this world. But we're not done yet. None of us are done yet. None of us have filled in all the pieces of that puzzle. You might get a little bit of vision about what that puzzle is going to look like, but you're not done yet. And that requires patience. It's going to take a while and you have to have a vision for the long game. You need a vision. And we have a vision. We have a vision of the coming kingdom. No more tears, no more crying. We need to be peacemakers. We have that vision. We know what we are supposed to be doing in this world. We know that it's not going to be easy. And we really know that we need to ask for help. As we talk more about what it looks like to be in your own family and and in your own family, world, discipling young people, helping young people come and find this Jesus that calls them to a new identity, that calls them to a new belonging, that calls them to a new purpose. Kids aren't going to follow unless they see you doing it as well. So this isn't a message about kids. 
This is a message about us becoming kids like Jesus called us to become kids at the beginning of Mark. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen and amen.